0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer, the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. And every week during the academic year, I sit down with a member of the Monmouth College community to talk to them about their interests, what they do, and things they've done. In this seventh edition of Monmouth College Conversations of the 2022-2023 school year, I visit with Addison Cox. She's Mammoth Lincoln Laureate for the 2022-2023 school year. We talk about her impressive list of accomplishments as a Monmouth student, and Edison also tells us about three of her favorite books. Every school year, Monmouth College names a recipient of the Abraham Lincoln Civic Engagement Award and that student becomes a student laureate of the Lincoln Academy of Illinois. Student laureates are honored for their overall excellence in curricular and co-curricular activities, and at Monmouth College, they receive the privilege of speaking at their commencement ceremony in the spring. This year's Monmouth Lincoln laureate is senior Addison Cox of Morton, Illinois. Addie, as she is known, is a double major in English and Philosophy and Religious Studies. Addie has posted a sterling grade point average of 3.973, but there's been much more to her Mammoth experience than classes and good grades. Addie's been a first-year student mentor, an orientation leader, a first-generation peer mentor, a member of the Residence Life staff, and a writing tutor a Monmouth College Presidential Scholarship recipient and winner of the Thompson Prize in Humanities. Addie is a member of the James and Sybil Stockdale Fellows Leadership Program, and she's also held executive positions with two honorary societies, Alpha Lambda Delta and Sigma Tall Delta. Addie's also a member of the college's track and field team, and she's an editor of the college's prestigious Midwest Journal of Undergraduate Research, which is known as EMGER. In fact, four of Mama's last six Lincoln laureates were EMGER editors. It's little surprise that Addie's a voracious reader. She reckons that she reads about 200 pages a day. I began our conversation by asking Addie to talk about three of her favorite books, Color Purple by Alice Walker, Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison, and Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Eddie started off by talking about Stardust.
1: So the first book that really got me interested in literature and kind of storytelling in general was Stardust by Neil Gaiman. And I found that book when I was about 12 years old. I got super into Neil Gaiman and just decided to kind of buy everything he wrote, (laughs) like as fast as I could. But Stardust is a book about a lot of different things. It starts off with a boy who's in love with a girl. And so he goes out and wants to catch her a falling star so that she'll marry him. And then he falls in love with the star and (laughs) a million other things happen. And you know, there's a king and he's dying and he has seven sons and there's witches and there's everything and there's sky pirates. So it was just this kind of crazy book with everything in it. And then at the end, everything came together in just one nice concise storyline and that was one of the first things that kind of showed me like oh storytelling can be whatever you want it to be and it can wrap up however you want it to wrap up and just that combined with the fact that you know fairy tales can be for adults was a really big bridge for me because I'd always loved fairy tales I'd always loved magic I'd always loved fantasy but I kind of thought it was you know very childish which is how it's portrayed but reading that book kind of showed me like adults are interested in this and I can be interested in it as an adult. So I think that book was definitely one of the bigger bridges into literature and storytelling for me.
0: Was Stardust, for you, the first time you read it, one of those books that you just sat down and read from beginning to end uh, in one day, or did you have that kind of moment with it?
1: Yeah, so I actually started reading the book while I was on vacation with my family. Uh, We go to Minnesota all the time, and I was in Minnesota, and I was sitting in my cabin, so I was in, you know, this big, lush, green wilderness, looking at the lake and everything, and just devouring this book, so it felt very apt to be reading it in sort of this like hub of nature and it definitely elevated the experience but yeah it was something I read like as much as I could as fast as I could whenever I could while I was up there
0: how many times do you think you've read it in your lifetime
1: it used to be one of those books that I just kind of kept on my desk that I could grab whenever I was leaving the house so I think in junior high I carried that thing around everywhere <laughs> um, I know I've definitely read it three times For sure. Um, I think I read it again during quarantine a couple times. So it's probably maybe not 10, but maybe close. It's definitely been something that even if I just read bits and pieces of it, uh, I've only fully completed it probably six or seven times. But like, I've read bits and pieces of it whenever I just have time to sit. I'm pretty sure it's in my dorm room right now.
0: And then when you came to college, you discovered Toni Morrison and one of her great novels, The Song of Solomon. How did you encounter and experience The Song of Solomon?
1: So I kind of have a running theme of me getting really into authors and then buying all their books. Um, But yeah, I read my first Toni Morrison book my sophomore year, and that was Paradise. And reading that with Professor Watson just kind of blew my mind. And so I decided, all right, time to get really into Toni Morrison. Then I read Beloved and I was like, all right, now I really got to get into Toni Morrison. So um, over the summer, I went to this used bookstore and I looked for kind of basically the Toni Morrison section (laughs) and went and just bought every single book of hers that I hadn't read that they had. Um, And I read The Bluest Eye, Sula, and Song of Solomon back to back in about three days. And Song of Solomon just kind of really rooted itself in my brain i mean that one just even one of the basic things is i remember there's a scene about a character eating a boiled egg and it's stuck in my head so vividly that sometimes when I'm, like, kind of feeling down, I'll just make a boiled egg so I can think about the idea of, like, oh, you know, there's this is a very magical experience, even if it's very mundane, just because of the way she wrote about it. But that song, the way it incorporated music and, like, heritage and nature and everything just kind of really struck a chord in me, and I don't think I've ever been really able to forget it, so...
0: For people who haven't read Song of Solomon, what is the book about?
1: So once again, the book starts off, you know, with with a boy. <laughs> well, not really, but so it follows um, a kid and he's kind of going through his Life with his family, and you know, you kind of learn like he has these deep roots that aren't in the city that he was born in, and he's never really felt connected with the city. So he goes back to find his roots, and there's a lot of different things about, you know, the family's been lying to him. There's hidden it. There's kind of it's a, kind of a very southern family drama, and you just kind of hear all these deep things about going back and touching the soil that your family lived on and hearing all the secrets that your, you know, your parents kept from you. And it's very much about growing up when you're already grown up, in my opinion. And I think that's a really strong thing to read, especially for me at like 19, 20. (laughs) So.
0: Another important book in your life is The Color Purple by Alice Walker. How did you encounter that one?
1: So that one, I have always heard the name, you know, everyone's heard of the color purple, even just in passing, and it was kind of the same for me. But last year, I took a contemporary literary theory class, and we learned about a bunch of different theories, and then basically at the end of every unit, we chose a piece of literature and wrote about it. So we were learning about trauma theory, and I was kind of like, all right, I don't know what I'm going to write about. So I was just kind of looking around, and I was like, oh, you know what? I might as well just read The Color Purple because I've never read it and I've always wanted to, and who knows? And I remember I read I read it in a PDF version of my laptop because I had to get the paper written as fast as possible. But I read it, and the paper I mean the book just blew me away, and it kind of so much of it just stuck in my brain. I mean, there there are things of it that I was just like, oh my gosh. This is, I mean, you know, it's an epistolary format, so there's all these different letters and everything, and just everything from the format of the book to what it's actually saying to how it's written just blew my mind, and that's, I mean, it's stuck with me so much that it's now my senior project, and I'm reading it again. I think I've completed it at this point three times. Um, probably going to read it a fourth time <laughs> when I go to work on it later, but um, yeah, just that book and the language it uses and the way that it doesn't use language is really interesting to me because it's kind of a subversion of all the typical novels that I've read, and that it refuses to kind of conform to certain stereotypes. And it, you know, obviously tells a story about, um, you know, a black woman who's been abused for all of her life. And so it really is this, like, voice given to marginalized identities and a marginalized story that's told in a way that, you mean, you can't ignore once you start reading it, so...
0: Of course, it's one of the great pieces of American literature. Uh, it's been turned into a movie. It's been turned into a Broadway m- musical. A- after reading it now th- at least three times, do you understand why it's such a great piece of American literature?
1: A hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it, it, it for me, has definitely fundamentally changed the way I think, um, even one of the aspects, you know, one of the bigger aspects where you even get the name of the book from is when they're talking about God and the conception of God. And I'm not someone who was actually raised super religious. You know, I didn't really know too much about religion in general, but so like, I never really had that huge connection to it, but even then reading that idea of God as everything and as God is this force that wants you to take pleasure in the things that it's created, even in, you know, the color purple, <laughs> that kind of thing kind of really blew my mind because I never really thought of it like that and even when I had it it never really resonated with me but reading it that way I was like oh I get it now <laughs> like I, I understand now so I think that definitely changed me in a lot of ways and I can see why it's changed the public in a lot of ways
0: You were telling me that Once upon a time, you thought you were going to be a STEM major when you came to college, but that changed, obviously, and you became an English major with a double major in philosophy and religious studies. What happened in your life that caused you to go from STEM to English?
1: So, growing up, I mean, my mom was a nurse. Uh, Both my aunts were working in the medical field. So, I just kind of always thought that maybe I should also do that. Um, And I was really, really into genetics for a long time. And I I still do love genetics. I think it's a very interesting field. And I was very convinced that that's something I would do and should do. Uh, And then my junior year I took a class uh, at my high school and it was called oh gosh what was it? oh this is so embarrassing um well anyway it was a double hour class so I was in there for two hours and it was combining history and literature and it was one of like the uh uh, honors classes we kind of offered and you know I'd always been in honors classes a little brag there but (laughs) so I decided to take it um and that, you know, we read a lot of American literature from all different time periods, and we read a lot of books that are kind of foundational for the, like, Western canon. Um, So, that and just, like, reading literature contextualized in history really kind of opened my eyes and told me like hey this stuff is important and also you love reading and writing I loved that class like beyond belief and that kind of told me like there's no way you're not going to major in English (laughs) like you you got to be true to yourself and you got to you got to do this it's not like my family pushed me to be in STEM but I kind of you know I thought they'd be proud if I was (laughs) but they're just as proud of me now that I'm doing something I love and that I'm actually good at. So
0: This is Mammoth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. I'm talking to Eddie Cox. She's a Mammoth senior majoring in English and philosophy and religious studies. She's also Monmouth Lincoln laureate of the 2022-2023 school year. Before we get back to my conversation with Addie, a reminder that the Mammoth Chorale's always wonderful fall concert will be held on Saturday, October 22nd. The concert gets underway at 7:30 in the evening again on Saturday, October 22nd, and it will take place in the glorious Doll Chapel and Auditorium. You can read more about the concert on the campus calendar and the Monmouth College website. To get there, just point your browser to monmouthcollege.edu/news and check out the calendar link. Now let's get back to my conversation with Monmouth Lincoln Laureate Addie Cox. As I mentioned, Addie is a double major in English and philosophy and religious studies. Addie said that she became interested in studying philosophy and religious studies after taking a course during her freshman year at Monmouth.
1: My first year, I only had three classes, so my advisor was like, well, we've got to find you a fourth class. And I was like, well, I have no idea what I want to take, because I was terrified. And she was like, well, we'll just put you in uh, new religious movements. And I was like all right. (laughs) So I took that class with Erman Allgaier and I was very nervous. I was one of the only first years in that class. Everyone seemed so smart and so much older than me. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't recognize any of these words. Uh, I didn't know what, you know, half these things meant. Um, But he pulled me aside one day and he was just like, hey, you know, I can tell you're working really hard and you seem to really have a passion for what we're reading about and like these things that we're learning about. And you handle the text very carefully. And at first I was like, "Oh, thank goodness he noticed," because <laughs> I did love that class. I loved everything we were reading, and it was so interesting to me because I I'd never seen half of these concepts before. But um, he kind of told me like, "Hey, if you're interested in this, you can major in religious studies, or you can minor in religious studies." And I, it just kind of went to the back of my mind. But then, you know, I met Dana and May Mary, and May Mary. Sorry, Anne. <laughs> but. Um, I took classes with them, and they just kind of opened my eyes to this whole world of these really, really important key concepts to understand. And so I decided to get my philosophy and religious studies joint minor because I was like, well, this way I get to take, you know, both, and I don't have to choose between philosophy and religious studies because I love both of them. Um, But then, uh, just this year, uh, I emailed Professor Mary and asked her a couple questions, and she was like, yeah, you know, you can come in the first week of school, and we can talk about some things. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I came in, she sat me down, she pulled out a bunch of paperwork, and she was like, all right, so great news, I've been looking at your transcripts and everything, and you have just enough classes to uh, elevate your minor in philosophy and religious studies to to a double major. And I was like, oh, well okay (laughs) so then we started filling out the paperwork and now I'm a philosophy and religious studies major and I'm I'm very happy about it uh because I think it really really excellently complements English I mean I'm a big advocate for you know cross-subject studying but especially for English and philosophy especially here at Monmouth I mean they're sister subjects you know you can't look at one without learning a little bit about the other so I think combining these two majors has definitely been one of the best things I've done here.
0: As an English and religious and studies and uh, philosophy double major, I imagine you've taken some fascinating classes at Monmouth. What are some that stand out?
1: One of the first ones that I remember that kind of blew me away was my African-American autobiography and fiction class with Professor Watson. Mouthful of a name, but I absolutely loved it. Um, it was one of the first times that I'd ever had a class dedicated to African-American authors and that was a huge shift for me as you know an African-American woman um, a black woman Um, so that class just kind of gave me a lot of names and a lot of like a lot of names of books and authors that I had never seen before that I'd always heard about but never read and it kind of really deeply rooted that historical context for me and it gave me the tools to learn about why these authors are important and about why people have ignored these authors because, you know, there's some radical ideas in there. And I think, yeah, that class definitely for sure. And then after that, just recently, uh, last year, I took a contemporary literary theory class with uh, Professor Belchner, And I was beyond excited for that class because my sophomore year, I learned about literary theory for the first time. And I was like, whoa, this is incredible. And Professor Belshner was like, oh, don't worry, guys. You could pick one theory, study it for the rest of your life, and you still wouldn't even scratch the surface of it. And I was like, challenge accepted. So then, uh, my junior year, you know, I took that class and we learned about six different theories. Um, and we you know, spent time reading the authors of it, learning all the names that are important in those fields. And well, some of the names that are important to those fields. And then uh, using each theory to analyze a piece of literature afterwards. And that was just one of the most dynamic classes probably because I was learning about these things and I was using them right after to kind of show that I understood them. And so I think that was just like a really great, almost like call and response class for me. So definitely that one. Um, and then if I had to pick a third class, and I and I will, but I've taken a, a million amazing classes. Um, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I would say Buddhism with er- Erman Allgaier. That was a very new class for me. Um, learning about Buddhism, Buddhism and about like Eastern religion is something that we often don't do here I think and it's really really interesting because when you read a lot of older American authors I mean there was much more of a conversation you know especially in like the 60s and things like that with Buddhist thought and that influences so much of the writing from early from like earlier decades so learning about Buddhism and learning about this idea of no self and things like that kind of really elevated my understanding of literature, and it also kind of changed the way I think about certain things. So, I think that class was also just extremely influential for me.
0: In addition to being a scholar, you're also a member of the track and field program here at Mama College. You compete in four field events, and last spring, you all had a certainly very exciting moment.
1: Yeah, so last spring was uh, when the girls took championship for Outdoor Conference, and That was an amazing experience. I mean, I'll always talk about it. It was a lot of energy buzzing. It was kind of our quote-unquote comeback story. I mean, you know, we had a long history of winning before that, but, uh, you know, we kind of faltered a little bit Indoor conference. Outdoor conference really came back and took it. And I think especially for the field crew, it was exciting because we kind of – compete a little bit removed from the rest of the track so we don't really see what's going on in the track until we're completely done so we were you know we were constantly checking the scores as much as we could because you're not allowed to have your phones out (laughs) but um we were checking what we could and we were monitoring our progress but we didn't really know fully what was going on until we got back to the track and everyone was buzzing and like hey we're gonna we're gonna win this we're gonna do this so it was definitely like A huge huge accomplishment and it was a ton of fun to do that with my team and to be able to go back and celebrate with the runners and everything.
0: In addition to track and field you're also involved in a lot of other activities here at Monmouth College including you serve as an editor at the Midwest Journal of Undergraduate Research. Uh, It seems like Monmouth is the type of place that lets you kind of explore everything and be a part of everything you just don't have to focus in one area or one topic.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's true. And I think more than anything, I mean, they encourage it. One of the most like mind-blowing things about going to a school like this is that I can pretty much say any professor's name and every other professor and my coach is going to know who I'm talking about. So the idea that, you know, I can tell my coach like hey I have this meeting with this professor at this time is it okay if I'm a few minutes late for practice and he's like absolutely that's of course that's true and I can go to a professor and say hey I have a track meet is it okay you know if I leave class early and they're like absolutely (laughs) yes of course so like there's a lot of cooperation between I mean, between professors, between coaches, and between all of them and me, and the most important thing, I think, is that I really do feel that all of my advisors, all of my professors, all of my employers, all of my coaches are dedicated to seeing me succeed, and they will work together to do that by any means necessary. And I think that you get that from this kind of school because they all know your name. They all know each other. It's small enough that you can, you know, I can run to class my room and practice in about five minutes and get everything done so you know you can move around campus and you can physically and emotionally be everywhere so I think that's definitely really important and it gives you the opportunity to like to grow yourself in a ton of different ways because you know I can grow myself physically in the weight room You know, I can grow myself mentally in the classroom, and then through all of that, I can grow myself professionally and emotionally in the bonds that I'm creating constantly with my professors and everyone. So, I think that's definitely that's definitely one of the big benefits of going to this school. And I don't think I ever imagined that I would be this involved in campus. Honestly, Um, in high school, you know, I I did sports and. I was a pretty good student, but I never really did like clubs or anything like that. I mean, I had a job at one point and that was like kind of the most involved that I was. But when I got to campus, it felt like I couldn't help but get involved in every single aspect of the campus. And I felt like more than anything, invited to try everything. You know, like I got here and the fact that I can go somewhere and the president of the college knows my name and like will say hi to me. And the fact that I can, you know, go and meet professors and talk to people and they can know like, oh, hey, I heard you're interested in this. Well, have you ever thought about this opportunity? And it just it happens around every corner because they want you to do those things. And I just yeah, it's definitely a fantastic experience. And I'm very, very, very happy that I get to have that here. And I've got to have it for the past four years.
0: You're going to give a pretty big speech next May. You're going to receive your diploma from Monmouth College. Where does life take you after that?
1: So uh, as of right now, I am applying to a couple PhD programs uh, in English. So I'm hoping to go to grad school. Uh, We'll see how that turns out, knock on wood. Um, But yeah, I really want to get my PhD. um, And after that either return to academia as a traditional professor, you know, in the classroom, things like that, or work to kind of extend my other little passion project, which is looking at higher education in in the incarceration system and, you know, looking at education in prisons. And so I think it's really, really important that education is considered a fundamental human right and extended to everyone. Um, And if I got the opportunity to, you know, after I've gotten my qualifications... Teach in a prison or even help spearhead some kind of program in a prison, an inside out type thing, that would be amazing. So, as of right now, I'm keeping my options open, but um, I definitely want to return to academia as much as I can.
0: That's Eddie Cox. She's Mammoth College's Lincoln Laureate for the 2022 2023 school year. You can read more about her in a great feature story written by Mammoth's very own Barry McNamara. That stories posted in the news and events section of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu/news. And that's a wrap on this seventh episode of Monmouth College Conversations. Tell us what you think or add to the conversation by firing off an email to us at news at Be sure to put conversation in the subject line. Until our next conversation, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Mammoth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and stay healthy.